Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music, this is the Hope FM Artist Interview. Welcome along to this episode of the Artist Interview, a podcast from Hope FM in which I, Gordon T, as your host, have the absolute privilege to talk to some of the brightest, best, funniest and most talented names in the world of contemporary Christian music. We talk about their work, we talk about their walk, their lives with Jesus, their families, all sorts of topics are covered. And what an interview we've got for you today is with the absolutely wonderful Laura Story. Uh, and she really does have a story to tell. Uh, and it's a story with some heartbreak in it. Uh, and also her journey as she comes to terms with things aren't always as easy as you might hope. Things are sometimes really hard, but actually in the midst of things uh, not being as you might expect, laying it down and receiving the goodness that's in that. So before we hear from Laura, let's hear this great track that she wrote, and it is indescribable. The wonderful Laura Story, and I'm very pleased to say that Laura is with us for the first time here on Hope FM. Hey, Laura, how are you doing? I'm fantastic. It is so good to be with you guys today. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Uh, it's absolutely our honour. Um, now, that song uh, is a song that everybody knows, but but they don't necessarily know your version. But who who was it who made it famous? Yes, so that's a great question. So I. I was in college at the time that I wrote this and I would not even have called myself a songwriter, but I just began to, so I'd grown up, I'm telling you way more than you wanted to know. You tell me, <laughs> so, so I'll, I want to ask a new question in that case. Tell me everything. Okay. Every, so four hours later, I'm still talking, I'm just kidding. No. So I grew up doing music. I grew up in church, uh, singing in the kids choir. I grew up in orchestra. And when I was in college, I was studying string bass. So not the violin, not the cello, just the big string bass. And so I had never really done any contemporary Christian music, any contemporary worship music. And I had met some friends in college that played in a little worship band and a coffee shop band. And I began to uh, play bass with them. And we were trying to kind of write our own songs. And Indescribable was one of those songs that I ended up writing. And one of my friends uh, who was affiliated with the band actually ended up moving to Nashville to try to do the whole music scene, which wasn't really something initially that I was interested in. I was at a Bible college at the time. I think I was studying to be a missionary or a, or a church worker or something like that which I ended up, uh, I work at a church now. So that's kind of how that ended up. But I didn't, I didn't really have a big picture for, for what would happen with a song. But my friend who began to manage a few different bands, he pitched the song to, I think it was initially to a record label who pitched it to Chris Tomlin. And the guy who was recording Chris at the time was Chris's very first record. The guy was someone that I knew from college ministry who we were both from the Carolinas uh, together. And so ended up, they both decided, hey, this, this song could really work. And so it's like really what any kid's dream is. I'm, I'm graduating from college. I don't have a job. I'm moving home and move back in with my parents. But all of a sudden I had this, this number one song. 
this number one song that Chris Tomlin was singing. And I was trying to figure out, okay, so what, what does that mean for me? Like, what do I do next? And initially I was very, very content with just writing songs and other people singing them. And I still, if that had been God's plan for my life, I would be 100% happy with it. But I feel like God began this process of pushing, you know, that this bass player out from the very back of the stage towards the front and giving me a microphone that I knew right off the bat, I didn't necessarily deserve because I, I have always said, I, I don't have, like, I don't have the best voice. I don't have the, like the vocal acrobatic, <laughs> amazing voice, but I've always had a voice that was sufficient for the message God put within me. So indescribable was kind of how the whole thing started. And, and it's been a journey that I've just been so happy that God has invited me to come along with him. Well, it's an absolutely beautiful track. And I've got to say, I suspect um, many people went, oh, I've sung that because <laughs> yeah. it, it was an absolute corker of a song that many of us worship to. Uh, and it, it's just beautiful. So as I have found out, as I've been spending time listening to a lot of your music, Actually, a lot of your music is genuinely very beautiful and really touched my heart. So um, if you're a listener at home, and you're thinking, Laura's story. Oh, I've heard, heard Laura a few times on Hope <laughs> FM. I would encourage you, go and find maybe your favourite streaming service or maybe pop into one of the Christian bookshops uh, and get some of her CDs because uh, she's got numbers of really beautiful songs that will bless you if you spend time listening to them, that's for sure. Well, you're kind. Thank you. Uh, I'm kind, but I'm also honest. So, um, <laughs> so let let me let me ask you then. So you you had the song; it was it was a great success, and you were then thinking about writing for other people. Or what, what actually happened at that point, though? Yes. So I was beginning to write more songs, but the the thing that really you know I had gone to college and studied. I'd majored in music and Bible, and towards. Towards the end of college, I think for the first time, I began to understand the value of church. I think at first I was this, you know, Christian that has this personal relationship with Jesus and the church I grew up in just focused on this personal relationship with Jesus, which is, is vital uh, for salvation, but we, we're never meant to do it solo. We're never meant to walk with God just as individuals. And I began to appreciate more God's vision for the church and see more my need for the church. So as I began to just kind of think, okay, now where do I fit into this and where does songwriting fit into it? I was approached by a church called Perimeter Church and they invited me to be part of their staff. I think it was 16 years ago. So I have served there and, and at the same time, they have allowed me the bandwidth to, to travel and do music and write songs. So that's kind of what happened next. So obviously you're working for a church. Uh, things are probably taking off ministry-wise and things like that. And what about your personal life, if you don't mind me asking? Oh, I don't mind you asking at all, because that's actually, that's very interesting as well. So we, my husband and I, we just got married about a year earlier. So I took the job at Perimeter. We moved to Atlanta from South Carolina. So this is about 2004? Um, yes, yes, 2004, 2005, somewhere around there. And within our first year of being in Atlanta and our second year of marriage, uh, Martin was diagnosed with a brain tumor. And that was... I mean, it's, it's shocking any time in life, but I think especially when you're newlyweds and when you're young and you think about your life as having this exciting opportunity ahead of you and all of a sudden 
brain tumor happens to our family. And so we began the process of uh, consulting with doctors, scheduling surgery that Martin needed. Martin went through surgery and then found that uh, even after the surgery, he was in the hospital for about three months, finally discharged, but found that a lot of what he was struggling with in the hospital, he never quite returned back to who he was before. And a lot of things improved, but Martin still lives with a brain injury, which uh, affects his memory, affects his vision. And if you were to just walk up and meet him, you, you may not know that anything was wrong, but it's affected um, everything from his work, his ability to read, he's un he unable to drive. So this was a huge, huge transition for our family and kind of left us, I would say, questioning everything that we believed before about God. I know that sounds pretty, tr pretty drastic, but when you grow up reading the scriptures and believing that God has a good plan for your life or, or believing him to be the great healer, there's a crisis of beliefs that you encounter when something enters into your life that leaves you so broken. I actually almost don't know what I should ask you on the back of something just so <laughs> momentous. And, and to hear that it wasn't just that you found out a tumor, but then there's a consequence of the surgery. There was further impact as well. That's still going on to this day. Yes. Is that Yes. Yeah. Okay. So you've got all these questions about God. And yet here we are 16 years later, and you're still singing about how good God is yeah. and the blessings that come and all these different things. How did you start to work through the questions of, well, who is this God and, and how can I say he loves me? And yet this happens. Yeah. And that's, that's a great question. And, you know, I call it a crisis of faith, but a crisis of faith isn't necessarily a negative thing. Anything in your life that challenges you to figure out what you really do believe to be true about God. You know, have I, have I trusted him thus far because he's done things my way <laughs> or because I believe he is sovereign and worthy of my trust? Have I, as a worship leader, it's kind of embarrassing to admit this, but I was having to ask myself the question, have I been worshiping God because I agree with the plan he has for my life? or because the things he is allowing into my life bring me happiness? Or am I worshiping God because he's worthy of my worship? And really asking myself, okay, what is, what is faith? Is faith walking alongside a God when you, when you like the direction he's leading you? Or is faith walking alongside God when you're in that valley and it's dark and it's scary and, and you can't quite see where you're going but you keep walking just because you trust, you trust that God is right there with you. And I had a lot of seasons like that. And I still have a lot of seasons like that. But what I found, I think I, I discovered a little bit of what it means to place my hope in God. I think a lo uh, uh, for a long time, I had been placing my hope in God changing my circumstances. And we, I, we prayed and still do pray that God would completely heal Martin. And he hasn't done that yet. I, I believe he's capable of it. And I truly, to be honest, I don't understand why he hasn't completely healed my husband. The question is, is I'm going to, am I going to still trust him when I don't understand? Am I going to still place my faith in him? Am I placing my hope in God changing my circumstances 
or am I placing my hope in God? And it's been neat for both Martin and I to say, okay, God, this is not the road we would have chosen, but we still trust you. And as strange as it sounds, we've still seen God do incredible things through our brokenness, uh, even though our lives don't look exactly like we, we wish that they would. I think that's an amazing thing for you to be able to say. And I'm, I'm sure that will be a blessing to many people. I've, I've got to say for myself, I have a friend who has some quite serious health complications and uh, we've prayed for healing and that hasn't come. Yeah. But, but we very much believe that Jesus will bring full healing. What we've concluded over a number of years is we don't know when that might come, yeah. but we do know for certain that if it doesn't come yet, it will definitely come eventually. The, the longest it could take will be when she gets to heaven, yeah. but it, it will come. And when you get to heaven, you're really, at that point, probably worrying about your health conditions is no longer relevant at all. Yeah, that's a great way to put it. It's a, it's a, while we're going through it, um, uh, or while you're going through it, it's a, it's a very stretching journey, I think might be a fair way to describe it sometimes. But your faith and the way you have described um, your processing it before God is amazing. And, and the song um, that we're going to sing, in a, in a, not sing, we're going to play, the song we're going to play in a, in a minute it has really blessed me uh, a lot as I've been listening to the lyrics. Do you want to tell us uh, a little bit about the song Blessings? Oh, absolutely. You know, as a kid, uh, Christian music was such a big part of me growing up and learning about God. And I remember having my little FM radio beside my bed and listening to, you know, whether it was Stephen Gersh Chapman or Sandy Patty, whoever it was. And I think I always had this perception that these people were writing songs about these truths that they've mastered. But when it comes to the song Blessings, God just gave me that day a little bit of insight into the truth that I was desperately trying to cling to. And when you look at the song Blessings, it's... <laughs> It's a, it was like a diary entry. Um, that's what it first was, was a diary entry with a lot of questions, with a lot of doubts and me bringing them before God and him turning them to faith. Just him listening to my fears, listening to just my broken cries and him answering it, answering them with his presence more than anything. And then I, I had spent so much time just praying, God, would you heal Martin? Just heal him. And I feel like I was praying that so much, which wasn't wrong. It's a good thing to pray for healing. You know, the Bible tells us to. But I was praying for that so much that I was missing everything else that God was doing around me. So the song Blessings really was, it was the point that my heart was turning from being so set on asking God to do it this certain way in this certain timing, but really my heart turning towards just saying, God, I want you to heal my husband. But if you should choose to not do that today, show me how to trust you in the waiting. Show me all the blessings that are happening out of the brokenness in our lives. Because what if your blessings come through? What if your healing comes through tears? And what if a thousand sleepless 
And that was Blessings by Laura Story. And I'm very pleased to say that Laura is with us still here on Hope FM for the artist interview. Thank you so much, Laura, for all that you've shared, just sharing straight from your heart and that track, which just the lyrics are just so powerful and so honest. And I know many people will uh, potentially have gone, man, I can relate to some of the stuff you've yeah. shared on various levels. It would be really helpful if you were willing to pray for listeners right now. Oh, I would love to. Father God, we thank you that you are not a God who is far away when we walk through trials. We thank you that your word tells us that you will never leave or forsake us, that you are always with us, that you are always for us. And I pray right now for any person who is listening, who is just buckling under the weight of a burden, of sadness, of relational strain, of addiction, God, whatever it is that someone might be struggling with right now, would they know your nearness? Would they know the presence of your spirit? And would you give them the gift of faith to walk that hard road, believing that you are a God who loves us and will never do anything or allow anything in our lives that is not for our good and your greater glory? We ask it in the name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. Thank you so much, Laura. And if you're listening at home, maybe you wouldn't even describe yourself as a Christian, but you're interested in who this Jesus is that Laura and Gordon are talking about. Just want to invite you to get in touch with us. Uh, you can email studio at hopefm.com or you can go online to www.findachurch.co.uk. There are many churches that would love to help you find more of God's great love. In fact, Laura, let's just return to a bit there because you prayed in your prayer about the presence of Jesus and you mentioned yeah. about the presence of Jesus and his spirit uh, in the introduction to, to blessings. Could you maybe just tell us a little bit more about what does the presence uh, of the spirit mean to you? Well, one of the greatest blessings of being a child of God uh, is knowing in the scriptures, in the gospel specifically, Jesus, you know, he is with his disciples. He's with them. He's with them. He's with them. Ministry with them, hanging out with them, breaking bread with them, going to weddings with them. He's doing all this stuff with them. And then he says to them, um, I have to go uh, so that you can receive a helper that's greater. And you're thinking, what could possibly be greater than being with Jesus all the time and getting to see him face to face? And the truth is he's given us his spirit and it's for the believer to know a child of, if you've placed your faith in Jesus, then you have the Holy Spirit with you who, you know, the scriptures tell us greater is he that is in with, in me than that which is in the world. So no matter what we walk through in life, whether it's cancer, whether it's addiction, whether it's uh, verbal, emotional abuse, whatever it is, um, we have the Holy Spirit with us that is fighting for us um, internally. Our value is forever sealed. Doesn't matter what other people say about us. Doesn't matter what other people do to us. Our value is permanently sealed in the work of Jesus on the cross. And, it's, and scripture says it's sealed by the Holy Spirit. So we just know that we're never alone. And we're, no matter what we've done, no matter what mistakes we've made, we are still valuable and treasured in the sight of God. Yeah. 
Absolutely true. Uh, and in fact, I was listening to one of your tracks, Grace, earlier on, and I was just thinking about God's grace and how amazing it is that it that just doesn't seem to be uh, a limit on how much he just wants to pick me up and keep on loving me and revealing more of himself to me. Yeah. Uh, and his grace just goes on and on. So it's, uh, I just want to say, uh, just to repeat what Laura's saying, it doesn't matter what, what you've done or where you've come from. Uh, Jesus is reaching out his arms to you uh, and wants to pick you up and love you and help you on to the next thing, uh, the good things that he has for you, even if those things aren't always easy. Um, okay, so next, talking of next things, and you're you're quite a busy person, I, I suspect. Uh, you not only not only do you work in in a church. In fact, you talked about you've got so you've got a Bible and music degree. Oh, am I right? You've got a doctorate in something as well. I do have a doctorate in worship. In worship. Yeah, that was just a fun thing that I got. I was. Uh, I know it sounds a little bit crazy. So when Martin and I had we had our daughter first and when she was three and the twins were one okay so i have twin boys that are one year old and a lot of people said that is the craziest time in the world for you to go back to school and i had finished my uh, graduate degree in theology and it was about a year before my daughter was born so this is about four years later and i was at, my husband was coaching baseball, which he, he still coaches baseball a lot, um, but he had just gotten into that. So I had these evenings at home with the kids and they were going to bed about probably 7, 7.30 at night, all three kids. And Martin was gone and I thought, and I was going through Netflix shows. <laughs> I was going through, you know, I was streaming whole seasons of whatever and I feel like my brain was just becoming, you know, this reality TV show, numb, mush, you know, puddle. But I, I remember thinking, God, I want to I do something where I'm growing in my knowledge of you as well as growing vocationally. Like, I don't want to be, I, I struggled as a student when I was younger, even in college, it took me a long time. And so don't think that I'm like this super smart person that got all these degrees. I, I really had to take it really slow. I did college eight years to me, eight years in college, even in my graduate degree, six years and just wanted to, to get back into learning. So I went to a, went to a school and got my, uh, got my doctorate. And so finished up uh, right, right before my youngest Timothy, was born. So I'm done with school. I'm not doing anything else. You can't make uh, me go back. <laughs> I got to say that, that, that is unusual to do it when you've got kids of that age. I, I'm, I am impressed. I can actually remember uh, when my kids were that sort of age and you talked about your brain going to mushroom watching TV. I think my brain was just mushroom not getting any sleep. Yes, so, uh, that's, that's true also. Yeah. Uh, the good news is it does come back for a bit. So it's, um, it's, it's fine, I but, don't know if I believe you. Uh, <laughs> but it's uh, the fact you got a doctorate, ha hats off to you. Um, so that was, in, that was in worship. But you've also, not only have you gone on to write song after song after song talking about God and his goodness, but also you've written some books, haven't you? So what, what are the two books that you've already written that are out there? Yes. So I wrote a book called When God Doesn't Fix It. And that kind of talks about 
the journey that my husband and I walked through and just the promises of God that we, that we still cling to uh, on that hard road. It's, it's just for anyone who's ever had God not answer their prayers the way they expected, or maybe not in the time frame they expected. And then the second kind of a follow-up that I give up is just kind of talking about this, the secret joy of a life of surrender. But the third one that's coming out. Uh, that's third the third one, one. That sounds exciting. I know. That's the one I'm really excited about. The other two, uh, a lot about surrender and, and this still has some of those themes in it, but it's called so long normal. And it really is an exciting way to look at change. It's just an exciting way to look at, you know, when you have this paradigm of normal, you know, the things in your life that are familiar, the patterns that you love, you know, the, the things that you surround yourself with to feel stable, uh, when those things are taken away, are we going to respond in anxiety? Are we going to respond with panic attacks or are we going to, to truly cling to God rather than the things in our life um, for stability? And, and the fact that we can endure change and still have joy and peace because we still have Jesus. And how much this book is related to, because you wrote this during the pandemic. I did. Is it, is it, is it related in any way to the pandemic at all? Or is it- well, you know, I, I talk, yes, it is. I, I talk a lot about, you know, because that was the context where I, where I wrote it. And honestly, for all of us, I can't imagine another scenario in which globally we experienced dramatic change. All of us, like things canceled across the globe. It's, it's kind of bizarre even thinking back to it. But that kind of was what, what spurred the idea, thinking about, okay, is my stability and my sturdiness in life, is it really linked to these events and those, these, these plans I made coming to fruition? Or there has to be something sturdier so that when something like COVID, or it doesn't have to be, it could be an illness, it could be an unexpected separation from a spouse. It could be an unexpected job loss. But when something happens that you're not expecting, are you going to allow your circumstances to take you down or you're going to allow Jesus and the, the sturdiness of your faith to hold you up? You know what? Jesus has been something that I've definitely been relying on during uh, the pandemic for sure. But also, I've got to say, just like you know, people say, I don't know if you've had these bumper stickers in America. In the UK, we have, it says, uh, a dog is for life, not just for Christmas. Do you, ever, do you ever see those? Do you have those? No. A dog is for life, not just Christmas. It's a big campaign because people buy dogs as pets for that like, as a present at Christmas time. And then after two weeks, they go, I hate dogs. Why have I got a dog? But I want to change those bumper stickers to say, God is for life, not just for Christmas. Oh, I uh, like that. And it's, and it's not just for the time. Y'all should do that. So, yeah, yeah, if there's anyone out there in the marketing department who thinks who makes stickers, there you go. You can have that one free of charge. <laughs> so, um, so, but I, I think... Uh, the pandemic has got a lot of people thinking about a lot of different things. Yes. Uh, and maybe in some ways it's not it's not dissimilar. The way that it interrupted the world, not dissimilar to something like a world war. We yes. have, not in our lifetime, but but maybe for people's grandparents and things like that, they experienced everything stopping, everything shutting down, things yes. not happening as we would expect. And maybe this has been a similar sort of scenario where all of the things uh, the rug is pulled from underneath so many things that we just expect and take for granted. The fact that in the UK, we still can't sing in church, for example, yeah. is um, is a quite a big deal, I would I would say. Yes. But uh, hopefully before too long, that will return to normal and we can enjoy uh, worshipping together, which would be fantastic. Um, so are there specific things that during the pandemic 
you had to keep taking back to Jesus? Hmm. Well, I think the fact that you even mentioned church. So in, in the U.S., uh, I don't know if this is a problem where you guys are, but the, in the U.S., church has just become almost this, this program that you go to, this presentation that you attend once a week. So when that was taken off the table, yet the world needed the church more than ever. I think for the church, it was this moment of, okay, what is, how does church transform from this place that we go to who we are and these people living on mission? And so I loved, as tough as it was, as a worship leader, not to be up there leading people and, and leading singing, it was beautiful to see the church uh, really mobilize to begin to, you know, do can drives. And, and I'm not just my church, I'm talking, I got to talk to so many churches all over the nation. There was- So you used, used a term that was can drives. Oh, okay. oh I'm sorry, like uh, like uh, cans of food, like food drives, yeah. Okay, yep. I don't know why we call them can drives over here. But yeah, so people collecting food for those that whose jobs have, you know, experienced job loss. Uh, there was a church in Kansas City that I heard about that they would, I think it was every Thursday night, every, the, the church would get in their cars, drive to the local hospital. Sit, I, I, get, I get teary when I talk about it. They'd come to the local parking lot, park there, and they'd turn their hazard lights on. And they told the hospital, they said, we're going to come and pray for you for two hours every Thursday night. So when you look out the window, and you see the cars with their hazard lights on, that's us just praying for our first responders. <laughs> it's just, so you think about, it's like, that is who the church is. And it took COVID to remind the church that that's who the church is. That is an absolutely beautiful story. Isn't that an amazing story? I'm yeah. now really disappointed that we didn't do that because that's- like, I know, why didn't you guys? I'm just kidding, wonderful. I didn't do it either. <laughs> I love it, I love it. And, and the church did respond in so many ways and, and so many churches, they couldn't meet for church services, but they transformed their buildings to things like food banks is what we have in the yes. UK and things like that to to make sure that those people who were really suffering um, were still able to get supplies. So um, uh, yeah, you're right. The church had to awaken uh, to different opportunities. And looking back, we might say, oh, well, it missed this opportunity. It missed that opportunity. But also God did some amazing things. And Oh, absolutely. Ch church online uh, had this huge boost uh, initially. And we in the UK, I've got to say, we're behind the US when it comes to church online so many churches basically had to in the sort of basically a week because some of them had no idea that actually lockdown was coming in about a week lots of churches had to go oh we're not allowed to meet we better do it online and how do we do that and yes really what a learning opportunity all of us were figuring figuring it out quickly that we had a uh, we have a prayer meeting at our church that normally was about 30 people in a little room well, we took it to a Facebook Live event. Uh, we're like, hey, let's just try it and we'll see what happens. During the pandemic, we had about 300 people joining wow. on our Tuesday night prayer meeting. And it was just like, this is, a, this is amazing. And, and it was one of those opportunities that, that COVID kind of lent us that, that we would not have had any other way. Uh, it's, it's definitely good. And those numbers are amazing. So, um, so the way that, the way that, opportunities being changed made us think differently. Talking about things that we do differently, on your picture of your book, it's got a picture. Is that you? 
on a zip line looking I mean, <laughs> okay do we call them death slides sometimes in the uk but i think they've changed that name because it's not a great name for things but <laughs> that, that, that that's a very good question so it's not me on the on the cover of the book but i did a bible study curriculum that goes with that and part of the video shoot they made me do the zip line and I was a big old baby about it. And I, and in the book, I talk about, I talk about the very first time I had to do a zip line and how it just illustrated so much the truth of the book. Like when anyone experiences change in life and they experience a new season and they're just terrified, it's like, it's like me holding onto that big pole at the very top of the, of the tower. But when I finally took that step out into nothingness and anyone that's ever done a zip line or what do you call it? Death, death, death slide. Any, anyone that's ever done a, a UK death slide. Uh, when you step out, there's this moment where you feel like you're falling and it only happens just for a couple of seconds. And then all of a sudden you're caught and you realize it felt like I was falling, but I'm actually tethered to something very sturdy. And that's the point of so long normal is even when God brings us to these situations of change or, or even of loss, you feel like you're stepping out into nothing. And, and there may be a couple of moments of like, I think I'm falling to my death. But the truth is, is when that line catches you and you begin rather than to fall to glide, you realize, oh, there is something sturdier catching me. I am, I'm going to be okay because I'm held, I am tethered to the person of, of Jesus. I, I can see from your smile that you like being tethered to Jesus. Oh, yes. <laughs> but, but do you now like zip lines? No, 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 no. I don't, I don't at all. But, you know, any, anyone that's ever done any sort of filming for anything, they have to do multiple takes. So it was funny because the more, like the, the first time I just was, you know, crying, wailing, I don't, I don't even know how to describe it. And they said, hey, we need you to do it again because the whole book is about like embracing change and this free fall of faith. You have to look like you're positive about it. And I said, yeah, I'm positive that I'm about to die. That's what I was, the only thing I was positive about. <laughs> so they made me do it two or three times. And by the third or fourth time, I actually was enjoying it. But I thought, man, what, what a great metaphor for life. The more we can learn to trust him, the more we trust him, the more we'll trust him, if that makes any sense. Uh, no, that does that does make sense. And, and uh, this is probably a little bit of a, a spoiler alert, I guess. Uh, as I understand it, by the end of the book, um, uh, you, you see it saying hello to the unknown. Uh, yes. You, I understand you turn it around and you're able to do that with joy rather than anxiety. Yes. So, so with the zip line, obviously, you got to a point where you knew you could trust the zip line. Yeah. How, how would you say in life you, you've cope with the things now where there are roadblocks and sudden changes. How do you manage to do that now with joy rather than being anxious or afraid? Well, the truth is, is for most of us, change is inevitable. It's not like if I'm not receptive to change, then my life just stops changing. It really is learning to face that change or even embrace that change as kind of a natural part of life. And we can only do that if we believe we have an unchanging God. If we believe that God and his character does not change, no matter how much life changes, uh, if we can hold, hold on to him and let him be our sturdy, 
then you really can embrace, you really can say hello to that unknown. Um, also believing that change isn't something to fear. It's an opportunity. It's an opportunity for something greater. So so just to clarify, the book itself is called So Long Normal. It is. The book's called So Long Normal. The Bible study is So Long Normal. Um, but I have a brand new song that I kind of wrote in the process of, of writing the book. It's called Hello Unknown. Hello Unknown. Okay. Well, in a moment, we will get to hear Hello Unknown as well. But just a quick check on the book. When when's the book become available itself? July 13th. And do you, because you've written three books, it sort of feels like the books might be a journey. Can you just pick any one of them up or do you have to read them in order? Oh, no, you don't have to read them in order. Okay. Any, anyone you want to pick up, have at it. It really de- kind of depends on what what season of life you're in. If you're, if you're in a, if, if you are a very beginner with the faith uh, and just kind of investigating who God is um, when God doesn't fix it is, is a good book, book to pick up because it really addresses like, okay, everybody says God is good. How could God be good if all this bad stuff exists in the world and all this bad stuff exists in my life? And it, it, it wrestles with some of those ideas. Um, what was the other one called? Oh, I give up. I give up is a book about surrender. Anyone that's gone through loss, anyone that's gone through uh, just struggle, struggling with control, that, that'd be a good one. And Hello Unknown, really, I mean, it's my new book. So I, I, I want everybody to read it. I want everyone to read it because I want, I want to hear from you guys if, how I did. You can email me tell, me, tell me what you think. But Hello Unknown is for anyone that wants to face a new season of life and a new normal with joy and with peace um, rather than with fear and anxiety, which is, which is what I'm so prone to. Well, you say you're so prone to, and that may be the case, makes me think probably a lot of us are, are prone to that. It's such an easy position to get yourself yeah. into. And certainly over maybe the last 12 months or so, I know that mental health has been a real struggle for many people as well. And mm-hmm. people got used to being inside and uh, people are suffering from anxiety just going out now. So yeah. there is so many yeah. challenges which uh, have risen to the surface, which may have been bubbling along underneath, but I think perhaps now uh, being uh, more impactful in people's lives in a, in a negative way. So maybe a book like that would be something that would be very helpful. In fact, I've got to be honest, I went to try and download it um, from Audible because I thought I would like to listen to this because it'd be great. But uh, I'm a bit early because when we're recording this right now, it's not available on Audible yet, but it will be an Audible book as well, won't it? I think so, as far as I can tell. I'm, I'm going to make sure that I get hold of it from somewhere. So uh, I'm looking forward to it. Um, okay, so I'd like to know a little bit more about your children and your husband, if if I may uh, intrude a little bit. Yes. Uh, so for your children, how, how old are they now? So my kids are eight six six and three eight six six and three so yes still reasonably young yes very young and i have been snooping on your instagram beforehand and i saw just a lovely post i really do like some of the things that you post because uh, often when i'm looking at artists i'm looking at their instagram feed and it feels a little bit overmanaged. And I'm looking at things and going, well, these are very good. But I looked at yours and I liked, there was a post that just mentioned, it was, it, it said, in our household, there's a fine line yes. between cuddles <laughs> and strangling. And the kids are all like, around the neck. And it was just so sweet. <laughs> yeah. And uh, just like- <laughs> We try to keep it real. You know, a lot of times people have this picture of like a Christian artist's life being so glamorous. And for me, I, man, we have a great time, but we really are, we're a family first. One of the things we're doing for the book, we're doing a month long 
tour where we where we visit radio stations. We're not making it to the UK because our van won't take us to the UK. But it really is. It's our family. People are like, oh, are you renting a bus? Are you flying? No, no, none of that. We are, we, ha- we own a big van for our family and we're getting in the van and we're driving across the country and that's what we're doing. There's nothing glamorous about that. It's all going to be a lot of, do y'all have Taco Bell there? I, we don't have Taco Bell, but we have other fast food things, which probably are similarly healthy. So we, we have, a you know, it'll be fast food. It'll be staying at hotels. It'll be... Um, your, your kids are going to have a great time. Oh, I think, I think they'll have a good time. Does that mean you've got to do all the driving the whole way? You know, it does, but I don't mind it. I love it. It's, uh, uh, for me, it's, an, it's part of the adventure. How many miles do you think you'll do? Uh, it'll be, I think, around 4,000 miles. Okay. That's, just, English people have a different concept of miles. You see, we think it's a long way down the road to the chemist. So um, 4,000 miles. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be a lot. You know, if you're, if you're in the UK and you're trying to do 4,000 miles, you're in the sea very quickly. <laughs> That's a good point. So, so when I went there last, when I was in the UK last, so we went, uh, I was in London for a conference and then we left London and went to the Cotswolds. And I thought, oh, we'll just rent a car. This will be easy. But I wasn't thinking about driving on the other side of the road. And I wasn't thinking about the steering wheel being on the other side of the car and the stick shift being on the other side of my body. And so uh, this is a good, as good a time as any to apologize for anyone. You frightened on the way. I did not hit anyone, but my side mirror um, trimmed a lot of people's hedges oh. along the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, in the Cotswolds, in fairness, some of the lanes can get quite narrow. So yes, it was a little narrow. <laughs> not necessarily your fault. Compared to the roads in the US, the Cotswold definitely yes. is on a different scale. Yes. So, um, so I, I would like to say on behalf of the UK, we forgive you for the damage to the hedgerows. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So, so you got a month-long tour with four, four young children yes. going around radio stations. Uh, and are you so able to book in some fun things along the way as well? And if so, what things yes. are they? And also... For a month, what would church look like for you? Yeah, that's a good question. Well, fortunately, uh, my church, they embrace kind of what I'm doing outside of the church and, and the ministry there. So we will get to visit churches all over the nation, which is always a good thing uh, just to see what God is doing in other areas. So, yeah, we de- definitely still be doing that. And does that mean when, when you go there, are you going in as, a, as like a anonymous punter well for <laughs> or do you have to go and do stuff for for one of i'm trying to think for one of them i am definitely playing for their service but for the other two i'm just attending as as a someone as a christian that that loves to go to church and worship well i've got to say sometimes it's really nice to be able to go into a place and not be known and just uh, that's very true just enjoy a bit of quiet time with Jesus. Especially with how poorly my kids behave. It's always nice to not be known. <laughs> I usually give them a fake name at the nursery. <laughs> <laughs> so with regards to your children, what things is God teaching you through your children? Oh, that's a great question. And as cheesy as it sounds, just to rely on him for his daily provision. This sounds so cheesy because I wrote a song called Grace and I talk about God's daily sufficient grace, but it really is true. It's his daily, it's trusting him each day to give to me the the wisdom and the strength and the energy that I need for each day. 
because sometimes, you know, with my kids being so young, sometimes I can think about, oh, gracious, how is this going to work when they're teenagers or all? I have, uh, like, like, uh, <laughs> you've heard of post-traumatic stress. I have pre-traumatic stress. I'm thinking about like, oh no, this is going to be, this is going to be too much for me to handle. And God just kind of settles me now down and says, you know, Laura, you just need, I'm not going anywhere. I have always cared about your kids more than you ever could. And I have a good plan. It may not be an easy plan. It may not be, it may be a rocky road for them. And even with, uh, with my husband's brain injury, there's, he's a wonderful dad, but there's part of their, their childhood. That's just going to look different because of disability. There's part of their childhood that's going to look different because of my job and seeing that that's not necessarily a, that's not a bad thing. That's, that's part of how God is writing their story and just trusting them for, for each moment. You, you mentioned about Martin being a great dad. What would you say was one of the most uh, delightful things that his kids enjoy him doing with them? Oh, their favorite thing is going to the pool. He is inexhaustible when it comes to swimming with the kids. He is, it's like he doesn't get tired. He's throwing them in the pool. He's, you know, teaching them how to do cannonballs. They're having jumping competitions. He's throwing quarters or like he's throwing coins in the pool and they're going to get them. They just have a wonderful time, which is so nice for me to just sit back and not have to, to entertain them. Uh, and so, yeah, that's probably their favorite thing to do with him, but really just the way that he loves them and listens to them. Oh, you know what? He sounds like a lovely husband and a, and a great dad. He uh, is. So I'm, I, I'm looking forward to one day potentially meeting you and your kids. I would love that. Because I know that would bring me a lot of joy. Um, and certainly today, I think you've really brought some joy to all of our listeners. So we've got one more song uh, to play from you, which is your brand new single, uh, Hello Unknown. Could you tell us a little bit about uh, just what, what the things are that you hope other people will receive through the song? Yes, I hope that people will be excited about an unknown future. I know that it can be scary. I know that we don't always choose the change that comes about in our lives, but more than anything, I hope that they will face their future with excitement because even though it's unknown, it is held in the hands of a known God who we've never known to be anything but trustworthy and faithful. And that was Hello Unknown by Laura Story. And thank you so much to Laura for joining us today for the artist interview. And if you've enjoyed this episode, the good news is that there are so many more episodes for you to discover. Just check out the other episodes of the artist interview on whichever podcast platform you're listening to us on right now. And if you want to bless us with a like or a follow, or maybe share with a friend, that would be very much appreciated too. Until next time, You've been listening to The Artist Interview, a podcast by Hope FM. God bless. Talking to some of the best names in contemporary Christian music. This is the Hope FM Artist Interview.